I recently got these um, like rubber stoppers. Oh yeah, that go in the back of my glasses. You got the, you got the old man stoppers too. Yeah, well, be, I, and I only use. <laughs> it's fucked up that you call old man stoppers, but you're goddamn right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Midnight Connection uh, with your hosts. My name is Eddie Fuentes, and I am here with my co-host, Chris Patu. Mm-hmm. And we are two dads talking about anything that we want at literally the only time of day that we can. And that is in and around midnight, right? Like, we aim <laughs> for midnight. That's our goal. But life is going to be life, and sometimes we overshoot it or undershoot it. But either way, we get to be here because it's our time of day that we actually get to connect with one another. Chris, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. It, you know, it's crazy. We couldn't even hit it on the first episode. <laughs> and that's entirely my fault, so I apologize. It not is that it no matters to the listener. That's right. You, we're not, we're not going to do this live. Could you imagine a future where it's like, People all right, everyone, in it's log 1 in at 1 a.m. <laughs> Eastern time and That's check right. out two people just trying to figure it out live. That's right. We're doing a show about being like not having time to do things. And then we're <laughs> spending the time we should be doing other things, talking about not doing other things. Is that weird? I don't think so. I think that is pretty much most podcasts. So for you guys, this is the inaugural episode of the Midnight Connection. Um, and we want to talk a little bit about like what that means, the reason we call it the Midnight Connection, and kind of what we just alluded to as parents, you know, full-time employees of places, hustlers, family men, video game enthusiasts, media consumers. We don't have that much time to really just sit down do whatever we want and connect with one another. So we get to do it when all our kids are asleep. And mm-hmm. that is usually <laughs> around 1 a.m. And, yeah. um, you know, I've known Chris for a long time and we've always had incredible conversations and connection. And we thought to ourselves, why not create a podcast of just that? Connecting with one another over stuff that we like, stuff that we might disagree on. And stuff that makes our life important. Would you say I missed anything, Chris? No, I don't think so. Nailed it. Amazing. So what we hope to accomplish is just something entertaining. You know, we don't want to have one sole focus because like everyone, we have a lot of different sides to ourselves. So we want to make sure to hit a lot of those sides. But in order to do that, we should probably introduce ourselves to you, the listener, who might not know us. And for those 10 hardcore family friends that are listening, hey, thanks. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. (laughs) We appreciate it very much. You're the best. You are. So, Chris, you want to give a super quick introduction to yourself? Yeah. um, Chris, uh, married. I now have three kids. So when we we started this whole project, I only had two. (laughs) So (laughs) we are upping the ante here. Boom. And... uh, that is the primary reason for uh, going past the midnight hour. 
Uh, but yeah, three kids. We got a we have a dog. Used to have a mantis. Oh, did we tell you what we, we set the mantis free? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Benji was he was. I was so proud of him. So brave. That's nice. <laughs> yeah, That's great. Worked that we thought he was gonna ball like you know just totally lose it because he loved that thing. Of course. But he wanted to give it a good life. He actually realized recognized that it's approaching the end of its life. Really? And he, so he said we should let it go. And I was like, you know what? It's very big of you. That is. That's right. incredibly mature. And how old is Benji? He's five. Boom. <laughs> that's incredible insight for a five-year-old. Not, not even aspiring entomologist. He's already an entomologist. But that, he's already got his for, bachelor's. Yes. <laughs> he's, he's got a little lab set up and everything. Wow. Micro, microscopes everywhere. But that's for another episode. Um, so we've got three kids over here. And um, as Eddie mentioned, full-time working dad. Uh also changed jobs after starting this whole project. So there's that, which I'm sure we'll get to eventually. Uh, I also do, I do freelance work on the side as if a full-time job is not enough. We, the man uh, hustles. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's where the hustling comes in. Uh, we have this, the Midnight Connection. We're also, you know, we have another project uh, from our parent company called Samurai Beat, uh, which is all about tabletop role-playing games. So I'm sure you'll hear about that too. Uh, I am a lover of music, which you will definitely hear about, uh, especially house music, my number one genre. I got I got stuff to tell you about that, by the way. Remind me, I have an artist to recommend to you about that as well. Oh, it's already getting spicy. Damn. I like it. All right. And uh, faith is very big for me. So that will undoubtedly come into our parenting discussions from my perspective. And uh, I think that's a quick primer for me. How about you? Nice. Uh, so my name is Eddie. I have a one-year-old daughter, uh, first-time parent. She's not one yet, but maybe by the time this releases at the <laughs> some point in September. Um, I am a musician and an audio engineer. So I think currently I'm in th- four bands, three to four bands. Did you lose for- one? Yeah, I dropped. Well, because you know you have a kid, yeah. you got to drop one of Something's your five get. bands. <laughs> <laughs> you really you can't keep you really gotta you really gotta work it out. There's only so many days of the week that you can juggle rehearsals and putting your child to sleep. So um, I decided or to, to cut the wise. It. <laughs> yes, I decided to cut it bands. back. But uh, I play bass primarily. I'm a huge lover of all genres of music. Um, Even if I don't necessarily like it, I always think that there's something to learn from it. And it's very important for me to digest all kinds of music to feel like a well-rounded person. I'm a huge gamer, uh, all kinds, PS5 mostly right now, Switch if I'm traveling. And I think that's pretty much it. I didn't even mention games. Video games. It's not important. It's <laughs> too many things. It's okay. We'll get we'll get to all of it. You'll get to know us more. Well, you said house is like your genre of choice, right? Mm-hmm. If you had to pick one specific aspect of house music that like does it for you, what is it? One aspect of it that really does it for me? Yeah. Like, what is it about house music that makes it connect so deeply with you over other genres? That's really hard. 
Oh, I'm sorry. Were we doing softballs today? <laughs> no. <laughs> no prep time. Tell no, me about I, the I meaning of music. I don't know. Like there, it just there's just something about it that that moves me. You know, you you have the four four on the floor rhythm, which is constant, and so you end up sort of relying on the other parts of the music to really put that feeling together, you know? Mm. And so if you like funky house, you'll have, you know, a really nice bass line that's kind of running throughout your song and it generates that you could have a nice, nice vocal that's set on top of it. But at the same time, you could also take it in a completely different direction and have something heavier, like, you know, more, more tech and electronic and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Probably is the rhythm as a bassist, I can agree. You know, yeah. Like it just when I hear the that rhythm and the beat, I just it makes me want to move. You know, I feel that. And I, and I was when I was more spry and uh, not so old. I was a, <laughs> I was a dancer. I still I still love the dance, um, but I just not so good at it anymore. It, you know, in high school, we'd go out to the city and go to house music parties at the clubs and stuff like that. And there was just something about how the music moved me and the other people around me where it was all like, yeah, we're all speaking the same language here, you know? Hell yeah. And I I really think that's what it is, but I can't, I can't really tell you why. I mean, yeah, the why, the why is (laughs) irrelevant. I think that's the beauty of music is that you don't need to know the why. Because it just is, right? It's like yeah. they say music is the universal language because it speaks to you and it makes you sometimes do things like dance. I mean, I love I love plenty of other genres of music too, but if I really had to just pick one, it would be house for sure. Hell yeah. And it's hard it's hard to not be happy with house unless you're listening to the like hardcore <laughs> down tempo <laughs> sad house. Yeah. yeah. Down tempo. <laughs> we used to go to this one guy who would play down tempo. Yeah, he, like his selection was great, but I was always like, it's a little too slow <laughs> for us to be at a at a club right now. It's so crazy. And like he was the like you would you'd see this guy somewhere, you would have no idea he's a house DJ. Like totally not what you would imagine <laughs> for nice. a DJ. I think I know the answer, but. I don't think I've ever actually asked you. Who would you say are your most influential musical artists? That is a difficult question because it changes depending on what I'm doing, right? Because, like, I produce, I write, I play a lot of different instruments. Mm -hmm. So, like, my primary instrument is bass. But I think if I'm looking at music as a as a whole, what inspires me the most are like the tonality of certain producers and the way that they do their albums. So like one uh, influence of mine is Nigel Godrich, which is a producer mainly known for working with Radiohead ever mm-hmm. since their second album, um, but also has worked with Paul McCartney Beck, he actually did that. You know, Natalie and Bruglia, mm-hmm. Torn. Yeah, he worked on that record. I think they were actually dating at the time. But oh. 
What I like about his mixing and his tones, it's like very organic, warm kind of stuff. And I, mm-hmm. and I vibe very much with like earthy tonalities, which may sound super hippy dippy to some of you out there <laughs> <laughs> that don't really see music like that, but I do. Um, so I'd say Nigel Godrich. I'd say uh, James Jamerson, who is a bassist of the Motown style. Uh, Sounds like a fake name. I know, right? Uh, very sad because at the time you weren't, as a musician, you weren't really credited for your parts and you didn't get royalties at that time because it was just really? like, yeah, you were paid like a day rate. So what? like the whole legend of him is like the most influential basis of like modern music, right? It's like the dude who influenced Paul McCartney and all this shit, uh-huh. but he died broke and unknown and like no an alcoholic. Way. Yeah. It's really sad. There is like, I'll tell quickly the one story that I know, who knows if it's true or not, but Marvin Gaye was at the studio in Motown writing the What's Going On record, and he actually finished the song, What's Going On, at like 1 a.m., somewhere around that time, and he was like, we need to record this tonight, so we got to get the musicians in here, but they had all gone, and James was at the bar, like, shit face. No way. (laughs) Shit face. And they were like, we need to go. And so they brought him his drunk ass back. They gave him his bass. James Jamerson is known for only playing with his index finger. He only used one finger. Yeah, because he came from double bass, like, you know, the classic upright basses. Uh And that's the way that you play. So when you switch to electric, he just kept that, the one finger. And so they did What's Going On by Marvin Gaye, which has this crazy bouncing bass line, right? Mm -hmm. And apparently, Jamerson recorded it while laying flat on his back <laughs> because he was so drunk and like someone was just holding up the sheet music. No. <laughs> and he was just laid down the fucking grooves. But that dude was a monster. It's like the story you hear in uh, Whiplash. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so you I'd know the story of James Jamerson. <laughs> Coming from J.K. Simmons. Exactly. <laughs> I feel like this is such a meta moment right now. <laughs> yep. No, man. And so Niles, Godrich, James Jamerson, and I guess, I don't know, for the third. Right now, I'm like very into, oh, you know what? Fela Kuti, who is a Nigerian um, Afrobeat musician. He developed that genre. Um, so he was a jazz musician that was in love with James Brown and mm-hmm. in love with like Cuban rhythms mm-hmm. and jazz. And he came to study in the States and then he brought everything back to Nigeria and started a whole genre no of music called Afrobeat. Uh, Tony Allen is his drummer who like is the guy who developed these like fucking gnarly drum beats and i love it because it's all groove right and fella himself was like an insane human being he had like a commune he had multiple wives he started his own like state inside of nigeria and rebelled against the government huge political figure um but he played every instrument so like how prince would like go between instruments and stuff like Mm -hmm. that like fella was doing that in the 70s Dang. Except it'd be like long, like 13 minute long grooves, right? <laughs> yeah. So I'd say those three. Well, I'm glad I asked because I have I don't know any of them. <laughs> what did you think was gonna be? Oh, think I, was just gonna, I was gonna say Radiohead. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I know. Anyone <laughs> that knows it. me, you knew it. No, <laughs> anyone that knows me knows <laughs> that I'm a huge Radiohead fan, and it is true. I think I've seen them live eight times, and I proposed to my wife at a Radiohead show. That can be <laughs> a story for another time. So for your last questions, I'll kind of veer us into a different topic altogether. And it doesn't have to be of all time, right? It could just be the first one that comes to mind. But what is a top video game for you? The, the first one that came to mind was The Last of Us 2. Ooh. As I'm thinking through it, I'm... Uh, I'm Walking running, it back. I'm, well, I'm not walking it back, but I'm, like Elden Ring comes to mind. XCOM, but I, th- I think it's still Last of Us Part Two. Yeah, over Part yeah. One. Yes. Gameplay wise or uh, story wise, both. Both. I love. I, the I story liked what they too. did. I loved yeah, it too. I, 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 I mean, I know it's controversial for some people, but I mean that it's a controversial time, man. <laughs> like <laughs> crazy shit is happening. Crazy shit. You yeah, know what I mean? You got to hold a mirror to society, and it. What I liked about it was that it it challenged you, and I think a lot of people weren't ready for that. I you know completely agree with that take. It's like like people are just used to playing their video games. It's like I know we're we're good, they're bad, or whatever. It's like well, where is <laughs> like, the line? Is, uh, yeah, are we? <laughs> you know? Yeah. No, I think uh, Last of Us Two. I also like more than the first one for that exact reason. It it's more gray. And yeah. they perfected the gameplay at that point. They really did. It was so good. The whole was, like the whole battle in the basement. It was a little long. They probably could have chopped off the last chapter. But um the whole sequence spoilers, I guess, for last do we have to do spoiler alert if it's like a four year old game at this point? It's not even Maybe. a yeah. I don't know. I guess spoiler alert. I'll put it in here. <laughs> Go play the fucking game. Um, <laughs> if we if we manage to play it, you should have managed to play yeah. it by now. This <laughs> man has three way. children, and he played the game. Okay, so fucking chill. Um, but the Rat King. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Segment. I I don't think I've ever felt like true panic as I did in that. So I remember the first time I did it. I just. I was like, what the fuck is happening? I just ran and ran and never shot. <laughs> Dude, like, it freaked me out when it first happened. It did freak me out. But as I was fighting it, I was like, I was getting into this whole like routine and pattern of how to attack it. Yeah. And I was like, hey, it's really not that bad. Wow. <laughs> Thanks for shaming me, Chris. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I think that's the, uh, the, from, the from software influence. That's fair. You do play a lot of those games. Elden Ring is the only one that I've played. Yeah. Which uh, which game would you say has been the most impactful for you aside from Last of Us 2? The most impactful for me? I think overall, I would probably have to say Super Metroid. For the Super Nintendo. And I say that because I remember getting a Super Nintendo, and that was one of the ones I got probably as an influence from my cousin, who's older, a little bit older than me. And I would go to his house and see him play this game and be like, what is happening? Like, this is crazy. There's no, like, talking. There's no dialogue. There's Mm -hmm. no directions. 
it's just like you land and you have to try to figure it out. And I think at the time I was not in a place where I could do that. So seeing it like kind of taught me, oh, what has now been um, been known to be, what is it, Metroidvania, mm-hmm. right? Like that genre of like, you're going to be back in this section with new powers yeah. and that's going to open up new paths for you. At that time in the 90s, that was like, what, what the hell is that? And as I got older, I always come back to Super Metroid until I finally beat it. And I was like, man, this is this is the game. <laughs> it is a great game. And the lead is a female, which you it's never saw. And you didn't know. Game, and you didn't <laughs> yeah. know until you died. So going off of that, let's uh, pivot a little bit harder into video games since that is something that we are passionate about. You said you're a big fan of the FromSoft games. Has that always yes. been the case or did you grow into no, that? No, no. So I, when Demon Souls first came out, I tried it and failed hard. I heard a lot of people did. Yeah. So I was like, you know what? Uh, I don't get this. So I actually skipped Dark Souls one, actually all of them. Oh, wow. I skipped them all. It, it, it's It's been on my backlog to actually go, to go back and play them. But I, I almost... I'm not sure I will, but when Bloodborne came out, I said, hell yeah, that's my kind of game. Cause I didn't, I wasn't really too down with the sword and board type of fighting that Dark Souls was known for. Yeah. So when Bloodborne comes out and it's more active, there's no shield and I'm like, okay, I'm down for this. I loved that game, played the crap out of it. And then I went on from there to play Sekiro. I hope I'm not missing any, but I played Sekiro, Platinum that, which was also totally different. I hear that game is so unnecessarily hard. See, I, I was playing through it. A lot of, I mean, there are definitely some hard fights in there. A lot of it wasn't that hard to Damn, me. You're just flexing on them. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm not like great at these games or anything, but. You have the patience. So with with Sekiro, that that is that is like a a get good game for real because you there's no leveling, right? You have the one weapon with some ancillary other like side weapons you could use, but you really only have one like primary weapon. Oh wow! So you you have to learn to fight the way the game was designed, and you have to learn how to parry, or you'll never get through it. Like you just. They'll just tear it to shreds. Uh, but I got through it, I thought, pretty easily. <laughs> All right. Um, platinum that one. And then I played Elden Ring. Loved it. Platinum that one. I can't, I can't remember if I'm missing other From Software games in between there. I think that's all of them, right? Or Armored Core? Well, I do... I do want to play the new one. I might not because of my decision to to go back and play Cyberpunk. Yeah. Um, I used to play the old Armor Core games and I love them. Um, but they, the the fighting, and maybe I just didn't go far enough, but the, the fighting just kind of got a little too routine back when I was playing them. Mm. So I never really got all the way through them. Uh, but I, I mean, 
who doesn't love mechs and customizing <laughs> mechs to you know to for combat but it looks like they're they're making the combat faster more active because before depending on your build it could be kind of lumbering you know and yeah. a little little too slow i was not always a from game fan i am now because i because I, I always feel like i there's a he, big payoff when i play those games you know? sure I, I invest the time, I improve my skill, and I get through the games. And it's like, yeah, I achieved something instead yeah. of just kind of going through the motions with another game. You know, Elden Ring was my first foray into FromSoft. Probably the best place to start because it was a pretty forgiving game and mm-hmm. incredibly large. I never actually beat it. I got very close to the end. Yeah. But there's just so much shit. Yeah, in that game. A, a lot. <laughs> and like, as a try hard, like, I want to complete every side mission and go into every dungeon kind of human being. Mm-hmm. There is no way. Plus, I was garbage, <laughs> right? So I must have died like a thousand <laughs> times. I mean, who, who doesn't? <laughs> yeah, but like, if you're used to it, that's cool. But if you're not, it's like, oh my God. I will say I'm thankful for the quick loading of the PS5. Oh, yeah. Because... I would have probably spent like half of my playtime in loading screens. It sucked. Like <laughs> PS4, it, you would sit, you would die, and you just stare at the screen for a good like twenty seconds. Just like, make oh, it my. makes you think about what you did wrong. <laughs> exactly. You, you're you're like, am I? Do I really want to try this again? You know. For me, I um, I've been a Nintendo kid pretty much my whole life, up until I think the Wii was the last Nintendo console that I got. And then I was like, why is the Wii not doing it for me? Mm -hmm. And I finally switched over to, um, oh, I got a 360, actually. I tried the Xbox. It didn't last long because then I got a PS4. And I was like, holy crap, what have I been missing my entire (laughs) life? Yeah. Now I'm a PlayStation guy with a Switch, though. But I've always been um, like action RPG kind of gamer. Very single player. I don't uh, really mess yeah. with the multiplayer stuff. Yeah. I don't have I time to. to be yelling and getting yelled at by children. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need it in my life. But give me like a good, like the Mass Effect trilogy. Amazing. I got to play through that. I got to oh, play through man. So good. So you say that you're going to try to play Cyberpunk? Yes. So I I started it on Stadia back when it launched. R.I.P. Stadia. Yeah. Oh, my God. Makes Shout so out sad. to my cousin, the second person to play so Stadia sad. with you. <laughs> it was such a good platform. Freaking Google, man. Can you tell the audience what Stadia was? Because they probably never heard about it. <laughs> it was so Stadia was Google's cloud gaming platform, um, all on completely online. So it's, you couldn't. You know, that was one of the first gripes people had: is like, I can't download my game. Are you kidding me? And uh, you know, big whoop, man. But <laughs> and here we are, cloud gaming. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Just hold on, all right. Just hold, we'll get there. But uh, yeah, so cloud gaming platform. Uh, all you had to get to play was a Stadia controller, and then you could either use a Chromecast, you could use a browser, you could use uh, some TVs had it built in eventually, like towards the end. And 
you'd be playing that's all you needed so you'd patch into the cloud buy your games or you could do the you know the subscription get some games for free every once in a while you know that was another thing the stupid marketing team couldn't even make that clear right they <laughs> they, they botched that from the beginning people were confused they're like wait to so I, I have to be subscribed? It's like, no, you could buy the game if you want it. I, I don't know who set up that marketing team. They failed. They, they failed this, this product because it was amazing. Yeah. Uh, but it was, it was just, it was that simple, right? All you needed was that controller and something to connect it to. And the cool thing was you could take your controller and move it from screen to screen to screen easily. If, and if you had four of them, you could patch them all to the same screen so we used it to to play multiplayer local games where you could either have all four people on a single screen we could have we could sit four people into in one room because our office room has a whole bunch of screens and, and all of us could be playing no time on their own screen and then uh, we even used it to play uh, a bunch of like long sessions with our friend all the way in Alaska and we we would run into problems because he wasn't very close to a server, so we definitely, you know, it wasn't sure. an ideal experience, but it worked, right? And and it was just going to get better from an infrastructure standpoint, you know? It was. And the controller is actually good. It's not like, like, it's it's this right here. Is that the actual controller? This is the actual controller. Wow. What I, put a, I put a silicone skin. I still use it. I, so, it... Uh, Initially, you could only connect it via Wi-Fi. So it connected over Wi-Fi directly to Google servers. So there, there was like not a lot of lag input, input, input lag unless, you know, your connection overall was shitty. Um, when they shut Stadia down, they enabled the Bluetooth connection on it. So now you can just use it like a regular controller. That's nice so, of them to unlock technology. Yeah. So I, I still have four. Yeah, four of them. I still have four of them. And I use them on my, with my Steam Deck. Nice, and they're they're actually they're good controllers, you know, really solid. And famously, um, Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven came out like a year, two years ago, something like that, and was trash. It was trash on every release. other platform except for the Stadia. one that no one played. <laughs> yeah, so uh, yeah, it came out, and I was like, I'm going to play it on Stadia, and I was I was playing it perfectly fine for I probably. 15 to 20 hours maybe man um it was great i just pop it on no like i could pop it on my computer i could pop it on my tv screen anywhere such a great system and And so uh, now you're revisiting the game yeah i'm gonna go back and i started uh on the steam deck uh for two reasons because it's just one is just a game i want to finish well maybe three reasons i do i just want to finish it but also you know i mentioned our tabletop role-playing project called um Pay the price, which is a podcast we'll be launching several weeks from now. <laughs> uh, it's it's a seasonal show, and you know you'll get the spiel on that at some point. But uh, we're gonna you know release it in seasons. So our second season is very likely gonna be cyberpunk. So I want to spend the time now to kind of get myself into that world, you know, so that when, when we hit that section of the show, I'll be. I'll be ready, you know, and I'll, I'll have the the terminology and the the environment in the world, and I can bring that to the game. Yeah. Um, the other thing is there are they're launching a like a major update to it along with DLC. 
mm-hmm. which apparently transforms like the whole game. Oh, really? So, yeah, so, Elba just shows up and your whole game changes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no. Every time he shows up, it happens. No, but I, I was debating whether or not to wait and then play it after. But now I'm thinking I'm just going to play through it as it currently is, try and finish it or, you know, do what I can. So that way, when it does come out and I come back to it after that update, it'll be like a totally different game. So, yeah, it's a major one. I mean, I may not update my game if I can avoid it. Sure. You know? uh, well, I won't. Well, they're doing the DLC. I just won't buy till I'm ready, but they are going to patch the game, which is going to change a bunch of stuff. So we'll, we'll see. Maybe I can avoid that patch. Maybe that patch will make me like the game. Mm, I've tried to play you, it twice. Oh, really? Yeah. I, got it, like I got it when it first came out, and it was just not really playable. Um, uh, and, like, the uh-huh. game had no personality because nothing was populated and, you know, the, that whole shebang. I went back um, maybe, like, half a year ago, if not eight months ago, and tried to play it again. Mm-hmm. And it's just, like, I have this issue with open-world games is just too big. Yeah. It's just yeah. too big. And like, I didn't get super invested into the story after like 10 hours. And I was just like, there are other things to play. Mm-hmm. And so I dipped we'll out. I love, I love the, the vibe of that game, right? Yeah. The, the atmosphere in that world, which is why I'm excited to play uh cyberpunk red. Oh, I can't wait. Or not, we're not playing Cyberpunk Red, but a Cyberpunk mod off of uh, the game system that we're using. But something about the game just didn't get me. Hmm. Maybe it will. Maybe it will. Maybe uh, third time is the charm. Apparently they showed stuff off at Gamescom and people were like, it looks so freaking good. And they're they're like, like, it's essentially... They're like, it's almost like getting a sequel. It it changed that much. Interesting. All right. I mean, I'll give it a chance. I already have it. I already purchased it. So yeah, it's there. Meanwhile, I'm over here playing Final Fantasy X. X? You heard right. (laughs) A game that came out in like 2000, I think. X is the, is it the beach guy? Yeah, it's Titus. Titus, okay. Um, I didn't finish that one. I played it at some point with uh, an ex of mine that was really into Final Fantasy. At that time, I thought Final Fantasies were garbage games that took way too much time. And here I am. (laughs) (laughs) Giving it your time now. Giving it all my time. Well, because I played 16 and I beat it. And when I beat it, it was the I beat the Final Fantasy VII remake, but sixteen was like the first. The game has come out. I'm just gonna play it and see what's going on. Mm-hmm. And I and I was so like, I need to beat this. I started getting a lot of trophies. And I was like, maybe I can platinum this. <laughs> and then I looked at what it takes to platinum that game, and it's two full playthroughs, essentially, oh, which is just like, why the fuck are we doing that, guys? <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I don't know why they do that. Like that makes no goddamn sense. Just give me the full game off the tilt, and if you know, I'll do my best. So I ended up getting like seventy six percent of the trophies because the, all the rest are like, you need to do a second playthrough. When I hmm. finished the game, I checked my playtime. Uh, how long do you think I spent 
beating Final Fantasy 16? 85 hours. Holy crap. 86. <laughs> and you didn't tell me that. And right? I did I not tell you. Nope. I don't think you told me your clock. Nope, nope. And that's because you're a realistic gamer. <laughs> you know what oh, it takes. Right. And I honestly, when I beat the game and I saw 86 hours, I like took a look at my life. <laughs> and I was like, how, why was it worth it? I think yeah. it was worth it. It was a good game. But I had those moments. It didn't uh, it didn't feed my Final Fantasiness that I wanted. So I was like, let me play 10. Because I remember it kind of fondly. And it's fun. Do you prefer a more turn-based type? I haven't played 16 yet. I I really do want to, but I so, l- I like 16 for what it is, and it's not an RPG. Right. It is it is an action RPG is like giving it a lot. Uh-huh. Right? I'll call it a high input menu based action game. Over, okay. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Because, like, and this isn't giving anything away, spoilers of the game, but like, to me, when I think about Final Fantasy, I think about a party. Mm-hmm. I think about like really strong characters that sometimes are like batshit crazy, but. You accept it because the whole concept of most of these games is batshit crazy anyway. And there's like a lot of personality to the mm-hmm. individuals. And this game is very not that. It's very um, like high fantasy, mm-hmm. right? Like castles. I shy from saying like Game of Thronesy, right? right? Like that style where like really muted color palettes and you... Don't control any party members. Hmm. And that's like, to me, that's not Final Fantasy. Yeah, very, very much not the traditional Final Fantasy. It is not. Great game. I mean, they all change in, you know, yes, some shape or form. But Yeah, so I needed to go back to something where I could be like, oh, the kind of magic I'm using actually matters. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there are weaknesses and uh-huh. like resistances and like all this kind of stuff. So I'm getting that fixed now. Did you see the um, the Twisted Metal show? Yeah. What did you think? Without spoilers. I, I actually liked it a lot. A lot more than I thought I would. Let me ask you this. What was your expectation going into it? Oh, it was in the dumpster. Really? <laughs> because yeah. You thought it was going to be shit? <laughs> well, I, I only saw a couple... I don't think I saw all the early trailers. I saw at least two. I think I only maybe saw that, the maybe teaser. that was maybe that was all of them, but um, it didn't look good. <laughs> it it, it uh, <laughs> the jokes in those trailers just were not landing for me. Yeah, you know, and I, I was like, oh no, like this this might be uh, PlayStation might might be screwing this one up. But when it I don't, I don't, and I, I can't, I don't know why exactly, but when it's, when I started watching the first episode, I said, oh, they have somehow managed to make that delivery work mm. in, you, in the context of the whole show. Did you play the games? These, not all of them. I played like, I think the, the first two. Yeah. I think I only played the second one because my friend had it and we would go over to his house. And play all the time. But I, too, 
didn't have high hopes for it, but not because of what I saw, because I really didn't see much. I think I only saw the teaser. But just because, A, what relevance does Twisted Metal have in this day and age right now? Mm -hmm. B, why is Peacock doing a Twisted Metal show? Mm -hmm. And Anthony Mackie? Yeah. Right, I was like, all right. <laughs> the whole time I was watching him, I was like, I, I bet they wish that they could have Will Smith right now. <laughs> Not that I don't like Anthony Mackie. Nothing wrong with Anthony Mackie. It just kind of felt like it would would have fit him really well. I mean, this is not a spoiler. After the first episode, I was like, he is channeling Fresh Prince of Bel Air, right? Will Smith. Yeah, totally. And I think to your point, the show struck a really good balance of quirky comedy up against gruesome stuff. And I yeah. think I think if they had taken the L on one of those and like not made it as gruesome to like appeal to a younger <laughs> demographic or uh-huh. made it like hyper realistic and not funny, it would have shit the bed. But it kept a really witty sense of humor up against like morbid backgrounds. Yeah, and so that's that was one of the interesting decisions they made because the the game wasn't the game doesn't happen in like a post apocalyptic world. Mm. You know, it's just it's a car combat tournament that exists that happens in the context of a normal society world yeah right so they they changed that and i think that actually made a big difference because like you're saying putting all that weird <laughs> yeah like the the weird comedy in the context of a post-apocalyptic world where crazy stuff does happen at the same time like maybe that is what made the difference for me it was like it makes sense given the world they made you know Instead of just having this cadre of drivers who are like, you know, some of them are kind of weird and some of them are not. It's like, well, in this in this adaptation, the whole world is just kind of weird now, <laughs> you know? And so you, you run into that all the time. Yeah. And it works. But yeah, I, I mean, I watched it like straight through. I yeah, was- I think Stephanie and I watched it pretty consecutively. Within a week, we definitely finished the entire series. Definitely should be a season two, although it has not been ordered by Peacock. Oh, they didn't? Okay. They have not yet. It but did, they definitely yeah. I should. Mean, they said it It did really well they in terms it, of yeah. Peacock, Peacock uh, original content. content. You know, and, and there were definitely, there were parts in it where I was like, this is, they're they're digging out some emotions right here. Yes. No, I agree. And I will say without spoiling anything, fantastic use of like late 90s, early 2000s soundtrack Mm. of like just Mm -hmm. general musical vibes of the Mm -hmm. time. I love all the callbacks, maybe because that's the era that I grew up in. Right. It really felt like I was the demographic (laughs) for this show. Well, and we we kind of are because that's when the games exist. You know, it's not like you know, mod- today's gamers knows about those games. They're all old. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I, w- I was surprised they didn't release a game to tie in. At, to go with it? Yeah, to go yeah. with it. 
That would have been the synergy, <laughs> the synergy that I expect from NBC. So let's go into some music talk. Is there anything in the past month that has come to you musically that maybe you are rediscovering, have discovered newly, or are just generally super into recently? I I do have something I wanted to ask you. Are you familiar with, and I could be mispronouncing this, but... Um, I'm going to assume it's some kind of Spanish. <laughs> That's always a safe uh, thing to do on the internet. That's right. It's either, it, it could be Angel or Angel. I'm not sure. Um, Angel Vivaldi. Do you know him? Nope. You don't? Oh, Eddie. Okay. So I, I was, uh, you know. Sounds like a composer. Uh, it, it does. No, I was going through, um, I, I think the article just popped up on my Google feed and it was something like, I don't even remember who wrote it, but I think it was, a guitarist was talking about her top 10 guitarists and, and like what, who is influencing her right now. Mm. And so I was like, Oh, I'm curious about that. So it, I was just kind of flipping through it. And they, she mentioned this guy, dude, he, he freaking rocks, man. Fucking rips. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, shit, he's good. And then, there's a couple, there's a couple people that actually I picked out of that list. God damn it, right out the gate is fun. Right out the gate. (laughs) What the fuck? I also like the color scheme of this music video going on here. It's a great video, yeah. So what would you classify this genre as? (laughs) I don't don't know. It's giving me like... Mega Man X soundtrack vibes? Yeah, yeah, totally. It sounds like an old school video game soundtrack. And this seems I mean, pretty I, new. This song was released four months ago. Yeah, I mean, I, I haven't spent the time to listen to the rest of his music. Because I, I like, I dig this one a ton. <laughs> oh, let, me listen, great... let me listen to his bass line real quick. Yeah, the bass is great too. You know what's interesting is like we are currently at a time of like instrumental music popularity. Like guitar virtuosity is on mm. the up right now. Mm. Have you heard of uh, Polyphia? No. Okay. I mean, I, I'm I'm not too deep into this world, so this is this is me getting the toes in there. See, this is cool because it's funky. It's funky. Yeah, exactly. I was like, oh, it's funky. <laughs> it's funky, but jazzy. It's like... Yeah, this is totally like Mega Man X Sonic vibes. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And so the... Um, I used to listen to like classical guitarists for a mm-hmm. little while, you know? And so like watching like watching him play, it, it, I was like, oh, he's... Plays it like a classical guitarist, sort of. I'm sorry to interrupt. Is that fucking Carmen San Diego in the music video? (laughs) I don't know if that's really what she was supposed to be. That is a thousand percent. Totally her. Listeners, go check out the video. We'll link it in the show notes. Carmen San Diego shows up at like a minute and a half. (laughs) Spoilers. Spoiler alert. She got her nails did. 
how many how many of the listeners know about Carmen Sandiego? Oh, come on. If you don't know who Carmen Sandiego is, get learned. But it's a great vibe. I mean, like, they're all pretty kick-ass musicians, right? Absolutely. I go back and forth with this music because, like, I like listening to it, watching it sometimes. I'm like, these people are just, like, going off on themselves. <laughs> in, like, the coo- in, like, the coolest way possible. You know what I mean? <clears throat> yeah, I get it. I totally get what you mean, though. See, but that, like, those changes where, like, it goes to, like, a minor and some yeah, shit like that. Uh, it's just like, oh, my God. It's so good. <laughs> This also is like very Japanese rock band, like anime outro. Yeah, like it, it yeah, it's just it's such a great vibe. And I have no idea if the rest of his music is like that. Was that was a great tune? That was uh, uh, Angel Vivaldi, Angel Vivaldi, probably. The song was called Nine. Nine. I, I do have one more. I do one more on All the right. same list. D- different kind of vibe, but uh, influential guitarists. So more of a toned down vibe, a little bit, but this, but definitely she strikes me. So this is Covet Shibuya. Um, and I, you know, I could be totally wrong about it, but like I see her play and I'm like, oh yeah, classical guitarist, <laughs> but she's playing on a, this is like, this in particular is like very math rock math rock yeah so <laughs> math rock is a subgenre of like rock music where like everything is like really weird time signature and polyrhythmic based mm-hmm. like all this tapping stuff that's going on and the drums kind of are all broken up it's not a consistent beat mm-hmm. yeah all right, I got I got two things to show you after this. That one okay. <laughs> that one that I know you're gonna love, and the other we'll see if you love. Mm-hmm. But this guitarist is going crazy. I wish I could play guitar like this. Uh, I don't know how they do it. You know, like very strong like, fingers. Just, yeah, exactly. Like you gotta have fingers of stone, <laughs> and just like the um, the agility of your right. hands to be able to do this kind of stuff. Like if you, if you look closely at her hands. There's so many different shapes going on, but motion is never stopping. No, I, I, I cannot fathom how you don't miss, you know? Yeah. It just blows my mind. And I love it when they hit, they're hitting harmonics in the middle of all that, you know? I love it when guitars do that. I feel like I've seen this guitarist somewhere, Yvette Young. So cool. I just totally changed the vibe right there. I haven't even listened to this whole song. <laughs> so it's kind of cool to hear the, this is cool. the change up. All right, let me shoot you something that I know you're going to love. Hit me. So there is a band that I fell in love with. Um, what I like to do, I'm always on the search for new music. 
And part of the reason, because I do feel the older that I get, the harder that it is for me to get into new music. Um, Mm -hmm. Because I basically listen to this. You know, if I get stuck on my Spotify playlist, I'm never listening to anything new. Mm -hmm. Um, So I make it a point to like, follow a lot of live music channels on YouTube, like audio tree, KXP, um, that do like professional studio performances. So I can check out new bands. And one day I saw this band, um, named elephant Jim. Wow. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, um, it is, they're a Taiwanese band. Uh, the oh. guitarist and the bassist are siblings and they were like taught by their mother that was their music wow. teacher That's cool. and the drummer just always was with them but check this out it's called drummer's not their dad finger no <laughs> no elephant gym right off the bat nasty hey, same dude how is she she's hammering a bass like that this line <laughs> is like one of my favorite things but can you yeah, see like you... the 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 conjunction with like what you just showed me. Yeah, 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 totally. She's just like like it's not like this like it's nothing. Well, you go into <laughs> like you go into a flow man. state at one point. You know what I mean? So you said the guitarists are the siblings. Yes, the guitarists and the basses are siblings. And it's just so harmonically pretty. Yeah, there's such Good a beauty t- nice to tones. like clean guitar that just shimmers. And what I call active bass playing, right? Yeah, yeah. You actually, you're not just laying down a bass line. Like yeah. you're actually part of the song. The bass is speaking. It is. Know? Well, it, with a three piece in particular, like you need to. Three yeah, pieces are like my favorite kinds of bands because you can't fuck around. Yeah, everyone's got to carry. <laughs> and like everything is so bare. If you suck as a three-piece and you can't fill the space, it is too apparent. That's cool, man. Right? I'm saving this. Yeah, so instrumental math (laughs) rock. Instrumental math rock. I have no idea. And so the other thing that I'll show you is polyphia, which I'm, you know, is the other side of it. Polyphia reminds me more of um, uh, Angel. Ah, just, yeah, blows my mind when, when, you, when you don't miss. <laughs> just like, just it's such a clean play. It's like, wow, I, it's unbelievable. So this band is like blowing up. A lot of like guitar virtuosos are like old school players are back in this band now. Ready? Polyphia, okay. You want to talk about classical riffing. Wow. What would happen if classical and dubstep mixed? Is that what's about to hear? Land on me? Maybe. <laughs> Are they all acoustic? Uh, oh. The bassist and drummer. Wow. Mm. <laughs> Dude. Okay. Isn't that cool? (laughs) 
Wow. That's cool. It's like hyper technical. Yeah. For me, not all, I can't get into all of their stuff, but this song I love because anytime people are like going off on acoustic instruments, I just respect it 10 times harder because it's so much harder. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just so freaking clean. It's so clean. And also a very different kind of bass playing that I'm used to. But if you listen to it, even the bass is playing really intricate stuff, even though it's just holding down the low stuff. Mm. And that drummer just goes off. Yeah, he's having himself a jam right there. Where are these people from? I don't, I think Cali. Could be really. They'll be in Silver Spring. Oh, no, they're, they're Texas. Texas? Yep. What? Dude, this bridge. That's cool. Or this B part. And just jam it out. That's like a an anime video game yeah. menu. Totally. <laughs> I'm surprised they haven't gotten picked up for a show yet. Dang, this drummer. Yeah. They're cool, really gifted musicians. I can only take it for so long. It gets a little gimmicky, but I respect it. Stephanie also vibes with this kind of stuff, which is great. <laughs> what do you think? What, is, what does it make you think of? Uh, I'm still getting, still getting some video game vibes, actually. Yeah, definitely. They're, they're, they're technical. It's just blowing me away right now. How do you, okay, okay? How do you like compose a song like this? Do, do so, you, are you just sitting around like jamming away and you're like, yeah, this works. You I know, think like, so. I, I think the I think technology plays a huge role in it in the sense that you can record a riff into like an audio program and like really mess with it and chop it up. Right. Mm -hmm. um, I think for some of their songs, they will chop up their own guitar parts and then relearn how to play them. Really? Yes. Um which is an interesting perspective. I think there are some musical purists out there that will be like, that's not what a band is. Mm -hmm. um, but technology has moved forward. And if people use technology to create new ways of like inspiring themselves, to me, that's the whole freaking point. And if they couldn't play it live... I would be like, okay, well, fuck that. That's a yeah. gimmick. <laughs> you <laughs> yeah, know what exactly. I mean? But like, they kill it live. If you can produce it, yeah. If yeah. you can do it live. Yeah. I didn't realize that they're coming to Maryland on the 28th yep. of October. They'll be in Silver Spring. At the Fillmore. I've, I've thought about going, but also, I, I'm not going to make it all the way to Maryland. Speaking of new music, I, I, did, I have that other thing I wanted to tell you. Tell me. So, you know, how I've jumped back into Mixing House. Oh, snap. Right? And uh, 
which will be a, a little perk for our, our Patreon supporters. <clears throat> <laughs> I, I am by no means good, great, or anything. I, I, I can do it. That's about as much as I can do. It's more than I can do. Um, but, so, you know, normally I go through and try to find find songs to fit the mood that I'm trying to make, right, for the mix. Yeah. So I'll, I'll, I'll cherry pick a couple songs I might already have and then either search for or try to get, or just let like YouTube or whatever recommend related songs, which is hit or miss, right? And then the act of actually searching is just, it, it can be very, <laughs> very tiring. Very draining. Yeah, with, with no uh, no good results. So what I did was I decided to join a digital record pool. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Is oh. this like through a Discord or like a website? Yeah, website. And so I'm so stoked, man. Like I, I, I was like, you know, I'm just going to bite the bullet. So I joined it. And that's like our diving in. It's already, I'm like, dude, there's some great shit in here. So how so does I'm that, how does that super work? Stoked. So, I mean, you're, you're familiar with how they used to be. Mm-mm. Yeah. No. Okay. So back in the day when you had, well, I mean, obviously they're still vinyl, but when vinyl was the only thing you had, you would go and join a record pool and they would actually either send records to you directly or they'd send it to a shop. Right. And you'd have to go and, and pick them up. But the, so this is for geared for professional DJs. And what you would get a mixture of like popular, you know, stuff that's happening right now. But the cool thing was you would also get tracks and vinyl that were made like specifically for that pool or that mm. produce, you know, like whatever the publisher or whatever, whatever you call it. Yeah. And so you would, so you'd get like white label stuff that no one else is really getting and that you might never actually be able to get like, you know, on a, at a store. Yeah. So you would, you'd pay your money. They'd send you the records every month. Usually I think is what it used to be. Um, and that's just what you did. So instead of like dragging yourself to a record store all the time to try and find stuff, you'd find a good record pool and they would send you this stuff and you'd get access to stuff you you're not going to find elsewhere. So I didn't even know. I wasn't even sure. I was curious. Right? I was like, are there digital record pools now? Because you know, DJs are all using digital Absolutely. Uh, de- decks now. So I was like, there has to be. And so I, I did some poking around, and there are several different options. Um, I joined the one that most people were saying was best f- specifically for house. And you, you, could, you could join one for hip-hop and, you know, whatever um other popular like top 100 type stuff or things like that but obviously i was looking for the house one so of course um i joined this one at the lowest tier so right now it's you could you have access to their entire library of stuff so that like i'll be digging through this for years hell yeah um and there's new stuff coming every week i think uh but the tier that i'm on has a limited like a download limit I could, I think right now it's like 50 different songs. So that the lowest is I get 50, 50 songs a month or something like that. But for not much more than that, you could have unlimited access. So it's and do you a, get it's to just, preview before you download or? Yes. Yeah. yeah. It, every song, every song has a nice, like one minute and a half sample of it. So I can just 
identify genres and it'll filter that for me. I can just kind of go through the whole list of what's out there and, and start cherry picking songs out of their entire library. This is the nerd in me. Is there, since it's digital, right? And like, I'm sure it's all cataloged in a certain way. Do they break it down by like BPM and key? I don't think so. Okay. Uh, That's probably asking one. too much, but I, I, I would well, just No, I wouldn't be surprised. Like, uh, I used to get songs off of Beatport. Okay. And I think they do. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they did. I just, like, I've only started poking around on my phone, so I haven't used, like, a full browser to look yet. Sure. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if they did that. That's dope, that's, man. That's I'm excited to hear what, what's going to come out of that. Oh, I'm so, like, it... It's almost too distracting because I'll just sit there all day and <laughs> go through the list, and I'm like listening to all these different tracks. So, oh yeah, I'm super excited, and now I uh, I should be able to put together set lists much more quickly. You know, which excites, which is exciting. So, you um, for the listeners who don't know, you sent me and Stephanie a mix. It was like, what, yeah. like a 40, 45-minute mix? Yeah. yeah. How long does that usually take for you to put together? The actual list? Or just or the the, actual, to the create the itself. final product, yeah. Picking the songs could take, I mean, sometimes the songs come super fast, you know? And so I will, I'll get the song list together. Usually I try to get 10 to 12-ish because that tends to put leave me at around an hour, give or take. Mm-hmm. And then I'll spend time listening to that list that like, set of songs and then i'll try to like organize them in a way that takes the mix through i don't know like the feeling i want to have i want to put out there you know mm-hmm. i kind of like the mixes to tell us a, a story give it you know but then i'm also i'm also considering which which songs are going to go together well which songs give me good opportunity to do the mixing and stuff like that and i i botched some of that on the first one just because there were like songs that i really just wanted to put in there and uh, in the end i'm like eh, that's probably not a good idea but <laughs> but you're in the in the middle of it you can't you know <laughs> can't take it back it's happening so the mix itself is it takes as as long as the recording is it's not like i chopped so it's stuff all live it's all live yeah yeah that's awesome uh, yeah it's like straight through so I, I got to tell them, yeah, I'm going to mix now. So please don't distract me. <laughs> or I'm going like, to have to start over. Yeah. <laughs> or I'll have to start all over again. You just start sampling the voice of your kids. I know. That'd be funny. That's awesome, man. Well, hopefully we can get some mixes that we can distribute out to the community. What's your DJ yeah. name? I have. So it used to be just DJ Kritko, which was, you know, the nickname that I, people gave to me in uh, college, actually, no, high school. I don't know. Anyway, I've changed it to D- DJ Dado because that's Ooh. what my kids call me. Oh, that's cute. And uh, there may be another DJ Dado out there. I don't know, but it, you know, I uh, figured it'd be fun. The kids appreciate it. So no, it's funny because they, um, I'll, I'll like if we play a mix in the car or something, it, it'll put that on the screen in the car. Oh, really? Like, oh, yeah, like, it's DJ Dado. And like, then, we know that guy. <laughs> I I shared the mix with our neighbor because we're, we're close to them. Yeah. And they'll like, like he'll he'll play it and his daughter will like dance to it and stuff like that. That's awesome, man. So so she's like, oh, it's it's uh, Uncle Chris or Mr. Chris's music. Like, like yeah. 
So, you oh, know, yeah. just for, just for the, just for our fans, you know what I mean? Yeah. But I do want to try and make it a regular thing just, just cause I really enjoy doing it, but you know, it, it's definitely, it means a lot when people enjoy the, the music. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's why I play music. It's for people to enjoy it. Yeah. Well, I'll say I love those tracks. Cannot wait for the house mixes. What I've been listening to lately, I've been listening to a lot of stuff lately, but what I want to share with you mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is naturally Radiohead related <laughs> <laughs> in some way. Uh, we got there. Yes, we got there at some point. Um, so Johnny Greenwood is the lead guitarist or one of the guitarists for Radiohead. He also does a lot of work outside of Radiohead. Mm-hmm. Um, he's gotten, like, I think he's won an Oscar for some of his musical scores that he's done. Nice. He works a lot with um, Paul Thomas Anderson. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, like, he's done pretty much all of the uh scores for Paul Thomas Anderson. They love working together. And he's been like the in-house composer for the BBC and all this cool stuff that he does outside of Radiohead. And so he did this collaboration with I believe an Israeli musician named Dudu Tassa and they released an album that was pretty cool um but this particular track jumped out at me it starts very chill and then it, you got to listen to this bass line Dudu Tessa yeah I'm very curious what you think about this stuff I love world music we got a, we got the is that sitar sitar no that's I don't know what that is no. but a sitar is a little more vertical I have no idea what they're saying. That's the beauty of music. Mm-hmm. I also love world music because it forces you to kind of step outside of understanding a singer. Yeah. And just feel it. And feeling them, yeah. Also, her vocal texture is really dope. Here comes this bass though. <laughs> like he's just waiting. He's ready. <laughs> he's just waiting. He's like, I'm about to kick everyone's ass right now. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> bro. I was not expecting that. Isn't that funky? Johnny with his crazy delay arpeggiator stuff. Dude, I could totally, <laughs> I could see that conversation where it's like, all right, how's the bass gonna be? Don't worry, I got it. <laughs> Don't worry, <laughs> just play your stuff. Just play your stuff. Yeah, I got it. I will make it work. Thanks. He's like, I'm gonna funk this up. Yep. Even does the whole run together. I love yeah. when uh, world music does this. This like everyone's on the same riff, but because mm. there's so many different instruments and so many textures, it just sounds like a wave washing over <laughs> you. Yeah. 
And see the one on the lead on the guitar. Yeah. Okay. And the like drum machine background. Uh, yeah. That's him as well. That's really cool. I do wonder what the song is about. Yeah, I don't know. There's something about female singers that are in that low register. You know? Yeah. It looks like uh, they shared that quote, this is the first song we recorded for the project. It's an old Lebanese song. Um, In fact, it was the starting point for the entire album. But yeah, it just looks like they're... That's what I love about true musicianship, where it's just like, yo... You play music, I play music. It doesn't matter what our genres are. Let's just meet and see what happens. Yeah, just make something. And when you're when you're really open to that idea, like crazy stuff can happen. And I I love that. That's that's really cool. Yeah. So that was my unexpected track of the week. Yeah, I'll I'll you know hopefully share some more. I love I love the beauty of world music because for a long time. Like, like I said, I'm Peruvian. I grew up listening to Spanish music in my household and stuff like that, but I never gravitated to it mm. as like a form of identity. I grew up listening to punk music and like super American, like rock and stuff like that, or British rock. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I got older, I started realizing Spanish music's influence on my songwriting, even if I didn't directly like it, which was kind of weird because I would write these like Hispanic prog songs. (laughs) Um, And now I think um, just being able to appreciate culture, right? Mm -hmm. And tonality and how different regions of the world have their own musical histories and they've developed to focus on like different things. Mm-hmm. Whether it's like African music, which is really rhythmically focused, or like Eastern music, which is melodically focused, but with more notes, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas like Western music is very much about the note you are singing. I feel like Eastern music is about how do you get to that note, mm. right? Like, do you slide into it? How many mm-hmm. small intervals are between the note you're at and the one you want to get to? And what's your journey there? Mm-hmm. It's more flowy for me. Um, so let's close out today just spending a little bit of time on something that's incredibly important for the both of us, and that's our family, which we do hope to be a big part of of our episodes, maybe not every single episode, but where appropriate. As I mentioned, I have a daughter. Her name is Thea. She's going to be turning one year old next month, which is oh man, in fucking <laughs> sane <laughs> to me because got, I've been there every day and it does not feel like it's been a year. You know, I think family is something that I've always wanted and it's always been the goal of mine to have a family, two to three kids. And now that it's happened, it's been like a life changer. Mm, You know, mm. I think um, she Mm. stirred on the baby monitor. Uh, uh, (laughs) 
She's like, you're talking about me. Her ears are burning. Yeah. You're talking about me, dad. She sleeps in the weirdest (laughs) positions. She's doing the side sleep stuff. Oh, she is all about the side sleep. Really? Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's it's been an incredible process becoming a father and intellectualizing what I thought that meant and then the practical <laughs> of what it actually means. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it's been it's been super cool. I'm excited to see the future of where she goes. She's finally she has like a very clearly defined sense of self. She's been saying mama for like two to three months now. Yeah. Uh, she refuses to say Dada. She apparently <laughs> has said it to other people, uh, including my wife, a lot. But she has never said it to my face. Mm. So that's cool of my daughter. She loves you in secret. I guess. <laughs> She's recently gotten to call me Papa. Okay. Which is unexpected, right? You, you guys don't use that at all? Not at all. Really? To me, Papa is very like... Hispanic. And uh-huh. I, I was actually telling this to my mom. I was like, oh, she calls me papa and not um, dada or dad or anything. She was like, oh, that's great. And I was like, I guess. I didn't really <laughs> I didn't really think about it that way. And she's like, what do you mean? And I was like, well, I don't necessarily like think in Spanish. Uh-huh. Right? <laughs> yeah. So like to be called papa is like, oh, okay, yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So we're rolling with it. We're rolling with it. Okay. Yeah. But what about your family? You guys got the new addition now. Yeah, we have um Aya was our first. She's going to be seven in a goodness, a couple weeks. Oh my God. <laughs> Benji just turned five about a month ago. And Callum is with us. He will oh, he is two months as of right now. Wow. I can't remember what hour. But anyway, yeah, today he turns two months. Congrats. It's yeah. It it's funny that you mentioned like what you thought fatherhood was gonna be and what it turns out to be. Cause after you have one and you start to realize <laughs> the truth of being a parent, <laughs> it's like it's like everything you, you were doing leading up to it is like, why did I even <laughs> the fuck was I doing? <laughs> like all those there, there's all the books and stuff like that. It's like, dude, you just got to go in. You just got to go into it and, and pave that journey for yourself. Because every, every child is different. Every family is different. And it's just going to, you got, you got to figure that out. You know, that's part of the whole process of parenting and parenthood to me, to me anyway. Did you read a lot of books before going into your first child? We we wanted to, but ended up not. And um, every once in a while, we like you know, with our first, we'd try to read something or try to get some insight on stuff like that. Uh, nothing ever really stuck to me in terms of reading. It wasn't until recently, or fairly recently, when I started listening to a a Catholic family podcast that it stuff like that has really started to change my mm. perspective on parenting yeah um in some pretty fundamental ways and so that that's more like uh let's help you to reconceptualize the relationship of parents and kids and uh you know the husband and wife instead of like 
here's here's a, a technique that you can use when your kid is just being a dick, right? <laughs> like like how to get around stuff like that. Because that's kind of what people are looking for, you know? It's like, sure, I, sure. Like my kids don't listen. What am I what supposed to do? What is the answer? <laughs> yeah. How do I deal with this? You know, they're looking for that kind of stuff, which never really stuck with me. Because as soon as you either you either try it and it fails miserably, or you try it and it works a little bit, and then it, you know, and then eventually they change, like like everything does, and mm-hmm. it just doesn't work anymore. But the this the stuff I'm hearing through this podcast is like, wow, that's that has changed the trajectory, well, like the way that I view my role entirely. So that. That kind of thing has really helped me out. I think um, adaptability has always been something that I say is like a skill of mine, Mm -hmm. you know, like a a life skill that I'm proud of. Me too. And um, I almost feel like when my daughter was born, I had to learn to be more consistent. (laughs) Right? Like For, for whose sake? For her sake? I think for everyone's sake. But for her sake, primarily, right? I think there's this perspective that I got into when I, as a first time parent, right? I was like, let me ebb with her flow, mm-hmm. right? Like if, if she's going through some different changes, let me just like cater to her. But I think at mm-hmm. some point, building the routine of like what a day is, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, nap times, food times, sleep times. That was hard for me to like lay down the law and be like, it is eight (laughs) o'clock. We are going to bed. Even if you're going to cry for 45 minutes. Yep. Um, That was really hard for me, but I'm extremely thankful for my partner, Stephanie, because she is a fucking trooper when it comes to like, (laughs) being consistent for the sake of our daughter. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a strength that I am developing, but she had from the get. Nice. Nice. And definitely um, we were, we want more children. And as that happens, there's so many lessons that I've learned that I'm sure will be not even applicable to our next child, because every child no, is everyone's different. different. Exactly. It's like, oh, I got this You're shit learning figured already. out. <laughs> yes. All I know it is that I don't know. It worked for her. Know. Why didn't it work for him? Yeah. But, <laughs> but it's the beauty of it. I don't know. There's, like, I'm sure you went through this with, with your two kids. Or it's like they reach a point of, like, self-actualizing and, like, mm-hmm. being their own person and like you can mm-hmm. even without full communication you can see them having their own thoughts mm-hmm. and their own process and their own journey through this world and i'm just like damn man you're like a whole human being and i don't want to mess you up <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's wild right it is it is it is too wild so the um i'll i'll, I'll have i'll drop one nugget Probably what the biggest nugget. We'll we'll just start with the good stuff. All right, let's start. So the 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 thing that really shook me, <laughs> like my parenting perspective to the core, was uh, so, so the the podcast I listen to they're called the Messy Family Project. Awesome. They have ten freaking kids, man. Like they know. Holy crap! They've been through the grinder. <laughs> Props to them. And uh, 
to like I, I randomly picked an episode from them to listen to, and I honestly think it was the first one that I chose. And they had this view on like the parent and child relationship, mm. and they said, um, so they're, they're like, you know, from and you know, I've been a Catholic my whole life raised the raised that way my parents you know very devout and i've never heard this before go to church all the time been to sunday sunday school i didn't go to catholic school like high school i was in public school Mm -hmm. but i've been in communities been in youth groups never heard this before right went to wedding uh you know like marriage prep class never heard this before i'm like (laughs) where where is this stuff right so they so they were talking about how um like like and I'm sure you've you've been there where you're just up against it, right? Like everything doesn't seem to be working or, and you just, you hit your limit and you hit that wall and you're just like, I don't know like what the hell to do right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you have, you got like nothing left or you feel like you're failing at everything. And like the worst of you is coming out all the time and all that kind of stuff. And so they, they said that's entirely, natural like that's supposed to happen and they said the reason why that happens is because and the reason why like the catholic faith sees children as like like the greatest gift that you can have is because parents catholic parents always have this natural tendency to think that it's their job to get their kids to heaven totally natural to think that right Mm. where it's like i'm gonna i want to do what i can to make sure my child you know grows up with you know, moral strength and make does what they can to make the right decisions and all that kind of stuff. That why wouldn't you think that, right? That's your job as a parent to raise your kids yeah, and to your shape them and, and form them. Yeah, but they 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 turn that up. I mean, you're supposed to you are supposed to do that stuff. Not not taking that away, but they said the the child's role in your life as a parent is it's actually it's not your job to get them to heaven. That's actually their job to get themselves there. I mean, you're, you're there to help model, be an example and all that good stuff and guide them, you know, but that's not your responsibility. That's theirs. They're your kids role in your life from a, you know, from our faith perspective is they are your, your pathway to get there. It's their role in your life as a parent to get you to heaven. Mm. And so, and, and the way that they do that is by just being freaking kids. <laughs> they test you <laughs> in every imaginable way, yeah. right? Like they will, they will push your limits. They will test you. They will run out your patience. They will everything under the sun. But what they're what they're doing is bringing all that stuff out so that you can be better right so that you can change that stuff mm-hmm. all the all the nasty stuff that you don't want to deal with or want to bring to light or what have you like they're they're going to bring it out of you and that's their job like that's their role sure bring it to the surface so that you can fix so that you can deal in, with it in yourself yeah yeah so you, for them like for you and for them but it, essentially it's like you 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 should take that opportunity to become better when that's exposed to you mm. you know and then and they're the role that they serve is to just continually expose <laughs> keep exposing you sure you that's know? an interesting but, perspective i like that yeah so i heard that and i was like wow i'd never 
never thought of it that way. Yeah. But it's true. It's true. And I, and I, I mean, you know, it'd be interesting to hear your, you know, your thoughts on that because I run into that all the time. You know, like I can be a very patient person 90% of the time. <laughs> but there, <laughs> but there, there are times Once when I Once you cross like, a certain line. <laughs> I'm like, I have no patience for this right now. And it comes out, right? And yeah. I'm like, like, I, I, I really, I, I don't want to raise my voice. I don't want to yell. I don't want to like do all these things. And sometimes they just push you so freaking far that mm-hmm. it happens. Sure. You know? But now I've learned like, I haven't learned to control that totally, but I'm much more aware of it. So it happens. And then when things kind of cool down, now that my kids are older, like we'll sit down and I'll talk to them about it. Mm-hmm. You know? So it's like, this is what I, this is what I just, what just happened with me. You know, like this, this is why maybe I'm super tired because I get zero sleep. Maybe I had a bad day here and you know, all these different combinations of things happen. And I just, I lost my, composure i lost my temper whatever the case might be you know yeah and so it's like you tell them about it you talk about it and then i'm much more aware of what that's doing like and what that's bringing out in me and so i work to actually be better about it and probably take the rest of my life but still no that's awesome (laughs) but but i'm always thinking about it like they're they're like this is what they do yeah they test they test you you know I like and that. Okay. I think okay. I think that the what I take away from that is is really the communication part of it. You know, mm-hmm. I am we come from the generation before us, you know, whether that was the time they grew up in or like, you know, the foreign immigrant mentality where it's like sometimes your parents would be in a certain mood mm. and like you as the child don't know why. Right. And it's super confusing. Um, I think back a lot. I was very lucky with my relationship with my mom because she's super open and communicative from a very young age with me Mm. and really explained a lot and was very, made me very aware of intention and like what that meant as a, as a human being and understanding that everyone makes mistakes, but the intent is really what matters. Mm. And I took a perspective with Thea cause you know, I, I, I ponder a lot <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think about a lot of things, especially like before having my first child, cause it was an immense responsibility, you know, to, to be in charge of a life. Yeah. And, I really came into it from a point of view of like not having expectations for my child. Um, That's not to say that I don't have wants or like dreams, but those are Mm -hmm. mine, right? It's not my place to put them upon my child or Mm -hmm. expect my child to go down a certain path. Kind of related to what you're talking about, what they said in the podcast I listened to this, like, I don't know if it was a TED talk or just some talk. I was talking about how parents, like this generation of parents, believes that the success of their children 
in whatever form, whether it's like social, emotional, or whatever, is dependent on the way that they raise their children. Mm-hmm. And what that does to the parent is create an incredible amount of anxiety, which even with the best of intentions might get passed along to the mm-hmm. child. And it it happens because we as parents are trying to engineer our children. Right. And you can't. You know, whether or not it's nature versus nurture, there is like who your kid is going to be genetically, biologically, the influence of those genetics, you're not going to change. No. no. You can't. The die has been cast. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like your character has been rolled. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you cannot go back. Um, so instead of trying to engineer your child, you should really look at how can you create the optimal environment for them mm-hmm. to thrive, right? They mm-hmm. use the analogy of like a shepherd and his flock, right? Not to get religious, but <laughs> it says that if the, the shepherd does not engineer the sheep, right? Yeah. It cannot do that. It, the sheep are who they are, but it's the shepherd's job to create an environment that's safe to provide the right kind of nutrients, the right kind of like stimulation environmentally, socially in order for their flock to thrive at the highest level. And I think when I look at parenting from that lens, it makes so much more sense to me and it alleviates some of the pressure Mm -hmm. Of like, oh, I'm going to fuck this up. Yeah. Because it's already out of my hands. And I know that I'm doing the best that I can to create that environment. And if I do get to the point where like Thea's really scratchy right now, like Mm -hmm. she just loves to grab and scratch. (laughs) And I have a beard. So she literally rips the hair from my face sometimes. And it hurts. Yeah. <laughs> and I can only say, please don't do that so many times. But yeah. <laughs> I then have to remind myself, like, she she doesn't know what she's doing. You know what I mean? No. She yeah. For her, this is her showing love. So just suck it up and lose your facial hair. <laughs> It'll all come back at some point, hopefully. Yeah. Go patchy. It's all good. I cannot. I need my beard. <laughs> I'm already I losing I feel like yours grows top. back in two days. I wish, <laughs> dude. Oh, my God. That's a that's a topic for another day. It's like my journey into like trying to grow a fucking beard <laughs> dude, that took like three years. Dude, don't, dude I, I have – I couldn't even get close. <laughs> I'm sure you could. Did you, ever, did you no. go through a process? I've tried, yeah. We can go. We can talk about it. No, I, it's, I, just, it's embarrassing. I took, a, I took like a year and a half of like – oils, combs, rollers, like a whole bunch of shit until it finally got to like where it is now and I'm decently happy with it. No, I, I can't. I, I just, I don't even, I don't have the follicles. <laughs> they just can't do it. Oh man. Well, I think with that, we can probably wrap up our very first episode of the Midnight Connection. 
Uh, we thank you guys for sticking around. Hopefully you enjoyed it. We are a growing podcast, so your support means everything. Having you guys like the episodes, share the episodes, spread the word. You can follow us on Facebook and on Instagram at the Midnight Connection Pod. Uh, we welcome emails, comments, questions, like topics of family and parenting that maybe you want to talk about or video games or really anything. We like to talk about yeah. everything. You can email us at the midnight connection pod at gmail.com. And who knows? Maybe at some point we will have a segment where we get to read reader mail or listener mail. But this, like everything in life, is a work in progress. And we thank you guys for taking the trip with us. And hopefully we'll see you in the next one. Any parting words, Chris? No, nah, you you got it. I mean, uh, yeah, we're just happy to be doing this. And uh, I would definitely love to, to get input and feedback from, from listeners and talk about things that that are important to you because there's only so much we could say, we could say about our <laughs> I know. mean we're cool but <laughs> I'm going to say I've been playing the same game for like three months so get ready oh my god that, that, that section is not going to be very interesting <laughs> <laughs> we'll figure it out we'll figure it out but thank you guys very much and we'll see you next time at midnight Thanks for tuning in to The Midnight Connection. The Midnight Connection is a product and trademark of Samurai Beat LLC, which is a fan-funded organization made for you and made possible by you at patreon.com slash samuraibeat. Support us there and join the conversation by submitting your questions, comments, and topics for future shows. We seek to entertain and build a community of adulting gamers like you, and we appreciate your support, your confidence, and your inspiration. Thank you.